Hey, I'm Chef Resh, and I'm this week man of the hour. And I'm going to tell you about my new book, Call Me Chef, Damn It. And it's going to talk about everything from the rural South to the White House. And we're going to go a whole whirlwind of talking about what I do, why I do it, from the military to the White House to the Pentagon to 9-11 to anything you could possibly think of that's going to be in my story and why I do the advocacy that I do. So I appreciate you guys. Stick around, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Jeff Rush, you're here. And thank you for saying yes to coming on to this podcast. I'm so excited for your book that's coming out in probably less than a month now. And uh, we're about to dive deep. We're getting into your entire story and all the things that you've accomplished in your life and all that you're continuing to do uh, for everybody post that. But thank you again for joining the show. Pleasure, pleasure to be here. We, you know, so when I say we, I think collectively, something I was reading about you not too long ago was that you are often such a fan of building community for one, but also making sure that people are as one in the process. Uh, I, I read not too long ago, and I wanted to start here with you that you've noticed that everything you were alluding to in the book that you wrote, again, coming out soon, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be sure that we get the pre-order link and everything down in the description, but this big idea that we're all the same, I kind of wanted to start there with you. And if you could take us back in time to the moment, Chef, where you felt like you realized we are all the same, and then why? Oh, uh, wow. That's a great question to start off with. <laughs> you know, because, you know it, it, it's, it's true because Thanks. a lot of people are going to differ, right? Uh, people are going to have their different opinions, and, and that's what this country is made off of, you know, saying, no, everything's not the same. You know, I'm, I'm Caucasian. I'm African-American. I have more. You have this. You have that. <clears throat> and the truth of the matter is that there's going to be that part of it. But when I say we're all the same, we are all the same. I came from Mississippi, a place that's this big with no future plans whatsoever. But to go mm. work on the road, um, grew up very poor. And uh, there was a lot of sight, even for the military. My dad was like, hey, the, the guys go to work, the girls go to school. And that's just that mentality back then. And I don't fault him because he embedded in me my work habits. And my mom embedded in me everything else that goes along with that. And, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a faith-driven guy, a man mm. I'm from Mississippi, from the South. And um, you can sit there, you can complain 24-7, you know, and I tell people when I talk and, I, and when I get in front of people, I tell you, I'm here to make you uncomfortable. And I'm going to make you uncomfortable because you're going to have your own opinions and thoughts because you're not going to analyze the things that I say the way that you're going to perceive them because you're going to try to take them somewhere else without asking me a simple question. Can you mm-hmm. elaborate on that? And a lot of people just don't do that. They want to take what you say and they want to take it and use it as good or as evil, you know, or indifferent. It doesn't matter that part of it. But when I, to to answer your question is that going to the military, no ideas, all these different things and and profiles. And believe me, my my situation in my life was very hard, you know, but I also Mm -hmm. know that a lot of other people were harder. I didn't complain. I can't complain. And I can talk about it all day and night, but there's one thing that you have to learn and understand is that it's like, I got to pay bills and I'm stressing about it. Do something about it. Make it happen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many things you can do. The opportunities that he may have because they were a multi-million dollars, you may not have them, but you have an opportunity. 
you know, to mm-hmm. make the foundation. So you talk about me doing community and all those things together. And I said, if I ever got in a situation where I could do something and I have to realize and capture it and people don't understand that when things happen with me, I had, I had a five minute window, mm-hmm. five minutes, literally. I wasn't on social media. I didn't do anything. I didn't know anything like that. That wasn't my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, and nobody came to help me or assist me on how to do this at all. Had to figure it out. I had to figure it out. And it was, it was a mission. It was faith driven. It was God driven. It was family driven. Uh, my mother, uh, particularly. And, um, we, we, we make it, we do it. And from there, just like you said, I just spread it out from there. Yeah. You spread it out. Are you kidding me? You're over here. And, and first of all, I want to thank you for your service. I should have said that at the top of this episode, there's, um, not a, not a lack of, but there's not many people who enlist and go into the military or however you get into the military. There's still a very small percentage of those folks that are representing the United States in such a way. So thank you for your service, chef. Uh, speaking of chef, I mean, I want to talk food with you in a moment. I also want to talk about the, the, the book more because I feel like when you're writing things down in a way that is almost a reflection, I, I would assume that's therapy and food is therapy in a way for you. And you've allowed it to be a coping mechanism for a lot of folks in and out of the military. These are all things that I want to cover with you here in just a moment. But to your point, coming from a small town in Mississippi, be it that you're faith-based or not, I think you had to hold on to something as you were continuing to make all these drastic life changes. And so in the military, let's go back there for a moment. When you told yourself you were going to sign up to represent the United States of America in the ways that you did, of course, for as many years as that you did, what were you telling yourself? Because I think that that's not something necessarily we all talk about. And you've opened, you, you've openly talked about, you know, the PTSD and and kind of how that has been a part of your life and it will continue to be a part of your life for so long. My dad as well, anybody who's been in the military, the lifestyle is very different. But for you, what were you telling yourself as you got in the military? And if you could walk us through a little bit about what that experience really taught you for where you're at now, because you're you're here now, right? Like you are Chef Andre Rush now. And and before that though, what was that journey like? Uh, self-worth, mm-hmm. right? Uh, my, my dad always told me, be the hardest worker in the room. And I preach that to everyone. Right. And even now, the status I am as Chef Rush, I will still get on the floor and scrub the edges better than anybody that can possibly do it. I can still cook the five star meal. I can still go out and give charity and community and I will still take a pictures with a thousand people in a row. And the first person I'll treat this way and the thousand person I'll treat the exact same way. There's no differentiation, differentiation from what I do when I start to when I end. Right. And um, and I'll be very honest with you. Uh, it was a lot of stigma that came with me. I knew who I was. I was taught at a very early age or whatnot. And when I say knew who I was, meaning that I know that I'm a black man. I know mm-hmm. that I came from Mississippi. Everything wasn't all shines and grays and everything in Mississippi. We were a community and it was black and white and that was it, right? Were there situations? Yes. Did I grow from them? Did I learn from them? Did I love from them? Absolutely. And I say that humbly because I don't want people to think that in Mississippi, like in here in LA or like Mm. Nashville or like in Chicago, things demographically are very different from the food to the, the environment, to the media, to the people. Right. So I came in needing to prove myself. Mm always 
I knew no matter if you smiled at me, no matter if you did that you and it's human nature, you're going to have a first impression. And people say, well, I don't have first impression. I treat everybody say no, mentally, you're programmed to think mm-hmm. of a person, right? Without them opening their mouth, without them saying anything, how they dress, how they look, how they're built. It is automatic. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to think something about that person. You're not going to judge them. Sure. Just a reflex, a mind reflex, you know, just like twitching your eyes or breathing or heartbeat. It just happens that way. So I was always, I always put myself as an underdog. Even now, I put myself as an underdog, right? Mm-hmm. I always come in. I'm, I'm never complacent. I'm always with humility and gratitude <clears throat> and always still being the hardest worker. And uh, mm-hmm. I have, even when the White House, you know, when I first went inside there, I didn't look left or right. I didn't go, ooh and ah, what mm-hmm. do I do? How do I need to do it? I never looked up. I never paid attention. I didn't care about who was in there. I didn't care about the stars or political sure. or anybody like that. It was always me against me, right? It was never me against this person or competing or however. It was always myself. Mm. I, yeah, I think that's exactly what people should always be trying to do is to fully understand no matter what your circumstances, there's something more important here about being in your own lane, you know? And then, because you probably could allude to this more than I could, but there's a lot of distractions and competition and, 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 and noise nowadays. I talk about that often on this pod, on this podcast, there's noise everywhere. And I think the discipline, if we can move into that with you, I mean, listen, not only are you a celebrity chef now and, and an author and having gone through being a decorated veteran in, in the military, that all takes discipline. So can you talk to us now about how you, throughout the journey of what you've been building for yourself and your family and everybody that's in your life, where discipline sat for you? Uh, discipline is, is huge. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I'll use the cliche of going to the gym. You know, you have to have consistency. You have to have discipline. You got to be able not to do this or to do this. <clears throat> and that goes in every aspect of life uh, in everything that you do. Um, for me, uh, personally, uh, everything that I do, even now, you know, you talk about some of the accolades and I say some of the things that I've done, mm-hmm. you know, the book and I'm getting starting on the cookbook uh, next week. Oh, thank God. We need to know how you cook all these meals. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually also just came out with a, well, coming out with a food line on May, uh, on March the 28th, um, which is driven also by that about discipline, you oh, know, yeah. and have years to get that going. So now it's in, and I put, we put so much into it to do that part of, it because I didn't want to be like everyone else. I didn't want to do mm. I didn't just want to push something out so everybody could buy it and be like, bam, 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 bam. And, and now you talk about that. I, I supported a lot of other food companies and mm. I, I love them to death and we're friends and so forth. But when they saw me come out with my line, they saw how I looked and how it was, was presented. They saw how it they felt, how it tastes because I took out samples and they were like, OK, wow. Mm. OK, you're trying to do X. No, no, I'm trying to do the same thing that you were doing. 
we're still friends. We're still family. This is not a competition. Mm. This is a lifestyle. This is what we do, right? However you do yours, I support you even now and still. But the discipline fact is that we have to stay in our lane and we have to keep focused. Like you said, with all that mm-hmm. noise down, because people are going to talk and they talk to bring themselves up or they try to group against you in bullying to make mm-hmm. themselves have a, a cause that's not even a cause or a message. It's just because they can, because this day and age, that's what we have to expect, you know, with toxic leadership and toxic people and toxic things. But at the same time, there's so much positive that you can feed off of. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I have to feed off of the, the toxic things a little bit more so because I'm going to get it a lot more because of my position. That's you right. Um, and, you know, someone said to me the other day when I was doing um, an event, <clears throat> I was at Arnold Classic, and they were like, they said, Chef, you know, we see you and, and, we, and I took a billion pictures and I heard over and over, thank you for not being a, a butt. Thank you for mm. being who you are. Thank you for doing something and not just being a person standing behind a wall, you know, and, and talking to people. And then when you leave that wall, you're back with that guard up or whatnot. And, mm. uh, and uh, to a certain extent, I can understand why people do that. Um, and, and people say, well, one day you're going to have to do that <clears throat> Yeah, one day, one day may be, but I'm still going to have the right demeanor because I handle all my social media myself. I handle all that. Mm-hmm. I answer all the questions. I have to do that because somebody uh you'll be surprised at how many people you save just by answering just by saying it's going to be okay you look great how you yeah. do you know i mean i'm considered a celebrity chef or a celebrity or influencer personality you know or those those per- people that you know with with ptsd pts you know sexual assault sexual trafficking kids bullying they come to me their parents and I just say one word to them and take five minutes of my time. And trust me, it's a lot. I take five minutes of my time and let them know it's going to be okay. And just mm. to keep going and just to do what you're doing. Don't worry about that noise and just be resilient. And that testosterone fortitude and testosterone fortitude is everything you need to survive and things. But at the same time, you do need to help and support. Like I tell people with PTSD or people who say, so if you're a big guy, you know, mm. nothing's wrong with you. But when I came out and said, Hey, I got issues. I got problems. And it's okay for that. Oh, you, yeah. know, you know what I mean? People follow me, alpha males, alpha females. I use the word alphas, but those big people who like, they thought in their minds that I'm going to get shunned. Or I'm going to get, I'm, people are going to talk about me and people will attack you, especially now mm. on social media. It doesn't matter if you're a rapper or an entertainer or a musician or a television person, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hit on a lot there because I feel like even when you were trying to do your own thing. I mean, you just said this. I'm I'm curious to know now, like what has worked for you throughout all this time to get you to such a, so not just a humble place, but such a grounded place in which you can be yourself and you could take the five minutes and talk to people, you know, as Andre Rush, but also as Chef Rush, you know, this is you, this is your life. And, and I think that there's something to be said about what's worked for you this entire time that allows you to stay in that place. Um. You know, um, one of the things is I'll say that I was, uh, if you don't know, I, I talk, like I said, openly about me being in a uh, inpatient. I was in mm. six months, another inpatient. I was an outpatient for a whole entire year. And it was hard. I was still trying to hide and do the things I'm doing at the highest caliber and highest level that I could possibly do. And I was, I consider myself, as you'd say, like, 
uh, what do they call people like a uh, functioning alcoholic, you know, mm-hmm. where my brother before he died, he was a functioning alcoholic. You know, he could drink a pint and it was in the morning and it was nothing that happened to him. And I'm like, how, you know, if I'm begging, I tell him about the story about, you know, before he passed, you know, me begging him to stop. And he was mm-hmm. like, he felt like nothing was wrong with him. He literally like, what are you, what are you, what's, what, what are you talking to me like this for? I was that big guy with PTSD, right? And I, I talk about it in the book and I tell the story about how uh, one of my uh, generals broke my armor or looked through my facade because I knew I was losing who I was, the structure that I had to keep my facade. And, um, and I, I, I said that, and after therapy and therapy and even my last result was after getting rid of all of my medication, and when I was in therapy one day and I, I walked past a, a, a guy who was going to therapy and, and he was uh, in the military, big guy. And um, we kind of put our heads down and passed and I went to the elevator mm. and he was getting ready to check in, but he ran back to me before the elevator opened and, um, and he looked at me as a big guy, you know, 300 pounds. And he was like, brother, if uh, you're here, I know I need to be here. Mm. We hugged and embraced and, um, that was that point where it was like, you know, I'm never going to look down again. I'm mm. never going to be ashamed. I'm never going to try to hide my feelings for any particular reason, which I did. I just, I just never opened up. And people ask me all the time how I'm grounded. I say, Chef, how do you stay grounded? What do you do? Mm. Actually, I use you. I use people to ground me. That's True. my thing. Yeah. Right, just like cooking, I use cooking for the USO and the military as a coping tool for triggers. You know, there were mystery baskets. You know, like people use a gym or art or whatnot. Mm. So I take all these things, integrate them. But when I go out and I speak a lot, I speak a lot of speaking engagements. So you get a lot of personalities from the Charles Swabs to the Penn Feds to the, you know, kids to the military installations, the Army, Navy, Marines, and those are different pers- kids those are different personalities and I have to get on their levels, mm. you know, whether I'm talking to corporate or whether I'm talking to kids, you'll never right. see you know, student, student tie and talking the same thing because it's demographically, everything's different. Mm. And I've been fortunate that I can be ambidextrous on the inside and out and look at the person on this level and look at the person when I use this level, meaning that they didn't have the opportunities. So I have to be there because I have to understand them organically. And that's why I talk to everyone on my social because I need to know them as a person, not an 800 number. Here's the 889. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's the first step that makes a difference. Yeah, oh yeah. And you mentioned being ambidextrous internally and externally, right? On the in and out. And I think that's, I just kept thinking in my head, I'm like, your life is is such a, such a nicely orchestrated way of being a chameleon. You've lived, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I can just tell you you've lived several lives and it seems like you're just getting started and you're able to share that journey with folks and, and meet them and, you know, where they're at children. And like you had said, maybe some, some military members at one event, and then you have adults in corporate America and you're, you're speaking to all these different audiences, but you're also able to share that you've probably been through so many lives too, which is why you're able to relate. Uh, it's, it's why I think the military is such a powerful place. 
you know, for folks who go through and you meet everyone, you go everywhere. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things that also um, are taken from you, right? In terms of your mental health and the, the way that you have to live and such, but there are coping mechanisms to that, not just food, but like you had mentioned with therapy. My next question before you, before we get to the book, um, which I can't wait to talk about with you, uh, call me chef, damn it. I was like, oh my God. Damn it! What? This is great. It's a great title, uh, and it's all about you. Um, as as you had went through your journey of not just being a veteran, obviously coming from the rural South, but then making it to the White House, and now look where you're at. Like you were literally, like you had said, you're still working out all the time. You're always getting noticed and speaking at certain things, and I think it's incredible. Before we get to the book, though, you'd mentioned how you were going through therapy, for instance, to cope with the PTSD part of your life, and how that ultimately probably got you to where you are now, right? When you were getting off of the medications and coming out of those sessions. So when you get, when you had went through that part of your journey and you were coming out of it, I just can only imagine how many people clicked play today for you. And then if you came back to the podcast, thank you for subscribing. But you think about how many folks right now who are tuning in, who just heard everything you had to say, if you can tell us just where you were mentally after you'd been through the lowest and you just said it, you will not ever look down again. And I think that is so powerful, but how are you now uh, not going to look down, you know, you're looking up and you're looking at the positive things, even though the days are probably still hard, but how, how did you get to that mental state? Um, another great question. I mean, because, um, um, I, you know, people say, well, you know, I've had a first say, well, I had PTSD or I had PTS. There's never a had, you're always going to have it, mm. right. It's always going to be, it's going to be with you, whether you're coping with it or how you cope with it and so forth. You used the word earlier where you say I'm like chameleon. So I have this picture right here uh, was from my guys um, in the White House from the Secret Service. And they do this for, they did this for me. And it's one of my viral pictures, but the face is scrolling like, Chef, you, you're, you take on so many personalities, you know, and that, and that's why it has a face that way, but everybody knows you, but they don't know, they don't know you because Mm -hmm where you're going and what you're doing at that very moment. You know, I probably share about 10% of the stuff that I do on social media and the other 90% sometimes it's just, it's just too massive. And so what I do and, and I, I, I take it and I have to use everything that I have, you know, in, and I have to remember, I, I lost my mother and my father doing this. You know, mm-hmm. my mother, uh, I made my challenge coin, um, uh, for this, it says, never give up, keep going. You can do anything. I made this, I made this a month after my mother passed away. And I was doing a, uh, I was one of the seven that they picked for uh, Gary V's uh, inspirational commercial. Mm. And I was one of the seven out of his millions and millions. Like, we love you, you this, and I'm with him. And long story short was, I got a call in New York. My sister said, if you want to see your mom alive again, you know, you need to come and um, see your mother. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, what are you talking about? So I fly to Mississippi. My mom was in a bed in a hospital, can't talk, can't walk, can't eat, lost like 60 plus pounds. And I just cry like a baby. I'm a mama's boy from Mississippi, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and um, long story short, the next, um, that was Saturday. Uh, the next Saturday, she passed away before I could make it back to her. And um I was, I went to another low part mm. and the next Saturday after that, she was uh, buried and um, I was done. 
<laughs> I was like, I lost my mom, you know, and people, like I said, I, I, and when I lost my mom, I, I even got attacked with that, you know, cause people were just, people were just people. People want to, some people want to be in your platform or they want to live ambidextrous through you. They want to live mm-hmm. through you. They want to be in this spot that you want to be in, but they don't want to put the efforts and, and the time and the energy to do it. And mm-hmm. I got to tell everybody, I said, I can give you my whole entire platform and you still would fail because you're not me. You know, it doesn't matter about how many numbers you have, the followers, about this, about that. You can't organically try to be organic. <laughs> you can't just push yourself out on people and be accepted. And, and I'll be very honest with you. I'm, I'm a black man with 24-inch biceps, and a lot of people get intimidated by me. <sighs> and they were like, wow, I'm listening to him, and he doesn't sound, or he's nothing like what I expected, you know, or how he's going to be and what he's going to be and what he has to say. Mm. And so that was that's that's part of who I am and why because of uh, my mother and and when she passed and, and the mm-hmm. end of that story was after she was buried that Saturday and I gave up uh, the very uh, next day mm-hmm. uh, I went viral in a mm-hmm. big way and I didn't know it and I was mad and then I actually looked up and I was like and it was after a picture this picture. Mm-hmm. that had been out for years <laughs> and i said you did this yeah I, I said okay mom i got it and i kept and i keep going oh yeah that's so powerful and and then that picture that had went viral like you had said that's that's the universe and your mom right working in your favor and that's beautiful to know that especially where you're at now chef that's that's what's gonna keep you going you had a moment of affirmation right after she had passed away uh that's very powerful the book now i i want to talk about this with you because i mean even if it's coming out in just a month or so uh, again we'll put the pre-order link down there below you know amazon's like the best place to purchase anything nowadays uh but call me chef damn it exclamation mark colon a veteran's journey from the rural south to the white house and i know you're not you didn't just stop at the white house i would assume there's probably more context in their post being a celebrity chef right so before but without giving too much away uh can you tell us what you left in that book for all of us to read and be inspired by everything i wasn't supposed to mm. <laughs> literally it, it was not supposed to be this way it was not, I was not supposed to tell him. I'm, I, I grew up in a political military government where everything is kind of, oh, yeah. everything is kind of <coughs> hush, hush. Yeah. Don't say that, don't do this and whatever. And then, um, and, 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 you know, I had a great publishers, you know, with Harper, Colin Harper Horizon. And I literally, like you said, I had a, a, a moment of clarity. And when I was like, am I going to write it this way? Cause I've seen so many people write it this way. I've been in a world where I have seen people with their speech writers saying this and this, and they study it and they oh, push yeah. it up like it's their own and it's brilliant. And then I said, you know what? Hey, I'm just going to go for it. And so everything that I never thought about, that I never thought I would do or would say, I um, put into the book. Everything from the military, toxic leadership, to love, to hate, to racism, to growing up, to sexual assaults, to deaths, and to 9-11, to ghosts, to just, I just went for every possible thing. Mm-hmm. And that was only, that was only 30%. And, and people to, to this thing said, 
you know, your book sounds like you've lived a hundred lives already. <laughs> yeah, damn right you did. Yeah. It was so much. They actually had to slim down on the book when I finished by, I don't know, a few four or 500 pages of words or whatnot, um, just to try to fit everything in into this book. Uh, but it was a whirlwind of emotions. Mm-hmm. I, I asked people to read it for what it's worth and look at the end result of it. You know, rather be, and I said people get uncomfortable because when you talk about things like this happened in the military, I love sure. my, I love my military. I love everything about it. And I tell people is because this one thing bad happened to me, I was in that situation, but it was by this person. And this is the person that leads all these people. That's toxic. Yeah. You need to understand that. It'll be a different story if you just had one person in this little bitty command where a hundred people, but when you got people, a person or persons leading thousands of people, it's unacceptable, right? Unacceptable. And so I tell people, you have to look at it. Every person not going to be that way. That's that one person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we need to make sure that one person is accountable and let everybody else know that, Hey, this is not acceptable. So mm-hmm. when I it changed the whole regulation throughout the military. I was happy about that, right? Sure. And people said, people, everybody went against me, even the people that knew me. And so I was very transparent, but I also talk about, I talk about the struggles and I talk about what you said, how I got over. I talked about, mm-hmm. and I talk about why and so forth. I talk about fun stuff. I talk about, but it was, like I said, it's, it's, it's my memoir into a little glimpse of life, of history, and showing that, you know, how you said that people are all the same. I tell you about, you look at all of the things that are like hard, but then also you look at the end result, you know, of how many thousands and millions of people have been reached. You know, it started mm-hmm. out with 2,202 pushups or the 24 inch biceps. Yeah. And then the end result is the meaning behind it, the message. Coming together, peace, people, unity, you know, 20 different countries, everybody's saying the same thing. It's like, you know, here's the caption, the biceps of this, this, this. Oh, so for sure. And here's the message. Oh, I, okay, I got the, I got the biceps and whatever, but the message is even more powerful. And that's mm-hmm. the end. And that's part of me doing the things that I do being in politics and being very strategic about putting a message out where it can be very organic, but it has a meaning behind it. Not about mm. me, 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 look at me, look at me. And that's, I think people think that sometimes because they sure. look at me and they feel a certain way. I, I had one guy or a few people actually, he saw a picture of me and his comment on it. He's like, I-, I didn't like you. I don't like you. And, and then he put another comment on it. He was like, and he was like, well, I don't even know why I don't like you. I didn't even know anything about you. And then I heard about you. And he's like, man, he said, I want to apologize because I'm like, why don't I like this guy? He just, I just saw a picture of him. Spoke too soon, right? Yeah, it's like, I just saw a picture of you. And he said, immediately, he said, I felt intimidated. And I was like, why would you feel intimidated? I had a smile on my face. I wasn't flexing. I wasn't doing anything, but he just, but people perceive things differently. That's why I talk about where people would just kind of judge you right off the top and not even know it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, and I was, I was humbled by that, that he said that and let everybody see that, that there was no reason to be that way. Mm. At all. No. At and all. like you had said, it's all about, we're all the same. We're all in this together. Yeah. 
And, and you know, it's funny. People ask me, they're like, Chef, you know, you're just massive guy, you know, this and this. They, I was at the Arnold and the guy asked me, he said, what do you do when you see a guy that's bigger than you? And I'm like, what do you mean? He <laughs> said, what do you do when you see a guy that's bigger than you? And I was like, there is no guy bigger than me. <laughs> like, I'm 10 feet tall, 500 pounds. There's nobody bigger than me. And even if you are 10 feet tall, you're still looking up at me or eye to eye to me because that's the way my mind has to work. On, right, on right. right. I see there's what you're no, talking about. There's no reason for me to be, use the word intimidated or like, oh my God, or this or that, or whoever. It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, I've been in front of the presidents and kings and queens. I've been faced with death a few times. So people think that no it's not it's, trust me there's more things going on in the world mm. than being intimidated by a person or person things you know <laughs> that's right i mean if i had 24 inch biceps i could also say the same thing but to your point once you've been through it all intimidation is not part of the equation anymore you know chef and and i can't thank you enough for for coming on the show saying yes having this conversation so openly with me and then trusting me ultimately with the conversation on this platform. I, you know, you, I, I'm so excited for you guys to, to go pre-order this book. Um, and it's not just his book, right? Like you had said, this is not just a me, me, me game. This is your story. And I know it's going to help people because it's already helped hundreds of thousands of probably millions of people now from the people that are commenting on your social posts to those who watch you live at speaking engagements and people who listen to podcasts like this. You know, I think it's such an incredible thing, Chef Rush. So thank you again for, for saying yes to coming onto this podcast, letting me share your story, and ultimately for publishing this book that's going to be out in less than a month from now. Um, thank you again. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Hey, it's Justin again. And before you exit this very episode, wherever you're listening, I want to say thank you for being here. I hope you learned something new and are leaving more inspired by the conversation you just heard. Men of the Hour is also on Instagram and YouTube at Men of the Hour Podcast, where you can find all of our video sneak peek exclusives and full episodes. Be sure to follow and subscribe and do all those great things so that we can stay connected. And right before you jump, I would love to hear from you if you would put a rating and review right here where you're listening. Until next Monday, continue taking care of yourself and building the best possible life. <laughs>